sneeze a bunch on the microphone. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I, I've gotten really sneezy all of a sudden. I hope I'm not getting sick or something. Uh, I think I'm getting over getting sick because uh, I just, I literally just sneezed the microphone before you hit that button. Yeah. I feel another one coming on, so. Oh, man. Please don't sneeze. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Geeking Poetic Podcast channel. I'm one of your hosts, Larry Roberts. Over here, uh, the sneezy dwarf on my right is none other than... Megan Guess. And this is uh, the latest episode of the Geeking Squad podcast. <laughs> I tried to make it real epic there. Uh, yeah, this is the podcast we do to go along with our Geeking Squad group that we have on Facebook that is free and uh, open for anybody to join. As long as you're not a jerk. Yeah, exactly. As we long don't as... talk religion. We don't talk politics. Yeah, none of, none of that kind of stuff. We just talk about the stuff that geeks love, sci-fi, action, adventure, comic books, toys, uh, you know, real life sci-fi. We're going to get into all sorts of stuff. It's just pop culture stuff that we find interesting. We invite you all to join us there. Uh, we have a lot of people that have been regular members of the squad for a while now. You guys post you guys and gals sorry and everybody else post in the squad regularly news articles and funny memes and little polls and stuff like that and we take the cream of the crop <laughs> so to speak and basically just the things that we thought were worth talking about and we put them into this squad cast so meg how are you doing i'm doing okay yeah still trying not to sneeze i'm really really fighting it hard it's a good thing we're not on camera today <laughs> i'd be making some real funny faces <laughs> yeah that's probably going to be the the both of us but um yeah i i just got back from europe a few days ago did. so i'm still recovering from all that still jet lag yeah and all that malarkey and everything so i i will try to be as on point and with <laughs> it yeah exactly as possible but folks I make no promises. <laughs> so we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah. So uh, without any further ado. Yeah, we got a ton of stuff. So let's get to it. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about. And in this first segment, we like to gather up a lot of the uh, current media news kind of things, stuff going on in TV, music, movies, all that stuff. And it all falls under a category known as. What's shaking, bacon? <laughs> Yep, it's, it. it's the What's Shaking Bacon segment. So first up, unfortunately, you would think we would learn and be like, hey, you know, let's start on a positive note, but we never do. <laughs> we well, People keep dying on us. I know, I cool. know, it is not cool. They need to knock that stuff off. Exactly, and we want to be respectful and not leave them as an afterthought, so we're going to bring it up first. Uh, we lost, in the last week and a half or so, we lost two well-known uh, popular singers. First off, we lost the singer that is most well-known for his Margaritaville song and his chain and Margaritaville. Everything's margaritas with that guy. It is. And I it can't is, blame them. They're pretty awesome. Yeah, you are a margarita fan. <laughs> uh, we lost Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, he died at the age of 76. I guess he had been sick for a little while and was kind of keeping it on the down low. But uh, yeah, 76, I mean, that's that's not so old anymore, you know? I no, mean, that's pretty young. Pretty young by today's standards. So it's a shame to see him go so young. Well, I'm glad I paid 
pre-tribute to him when I was in San Antonio. I ate at Margaritaville. There you go. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think the restaurant will probably still be around for a while, so you can pay more tributes. You're gonna is that gonna be your I thing? Go have more margaritas. I, I was just gonna say every time you drink margaritas, you're like, hey, Think I'm it. <laughs> just paying tribute, right? Yep, exactly. Oh man, so yes, yeah, so we lost him, and then uh, a little bit after that, we had somewhat shocking news that the former singer of Smash Mouth, Steve Harwell, died at only age fifty-six. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really young. Um, I know he hadn't been in Smash Mouth for a while, and I believe he may have had some substance issues. I I, I don't know. I don't want to speculate exactly on what caused. Uh, his death, but I'd heard stories that there'd been some issues with that in the past. So I don't know if that contributed to it. And the complications. From yeah, it exactly, exactly. But uh, you know, I I didn't even I didn't even know. I guess he had been done for. You know, he'd been gone for a couple of days, and then some. Buddy Buddy once told me. Told me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to. I had to do it. Um. But anyway, yeah, in Smash Mouth, Minus Steve had just played here yeah, in your in neighborhood. Writing, yeah, yeah, just played down the street from you literally. a couple, <laughs> couple, literally down the street from you a couple of uh, months ago. So that's a shame. So uh, you know, our hats are off to you guys. Uh, thanks for all the entertainment you provided everybody, and uh, continue to do so. Yeah, I'm sure people are going to still continue to love both of their uh, musical outputs for many years. On the different note, there was some interesting things. We're going to go in a little bit of a different direction. There was some interesting things that happened in geeky news in terms of sales. Big purchase sales. Yeah, exactly. Big purchase things going on. First of all, this got posted in the squad, and I thought this was really interesting. Um, a long-lost model of an X-Wing fighter used in the original 1977 Star Wars movie is up for auction with a starting price of $400,000. I just got that laying around. Why not? <laughs> well, you know, I, okay. Well, so here's the thing. This isn't, this isn't just any old prop. This was used for filming the Death Star battle in A New Hope. And there were only so many models made, especially back then, you know. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, they don't even make models anymore. Yeah, Everything's CG. Yeah. Right. So there were very few models. You're talking about not only one of the most iconic scenes in a movie ever, but one of the most iconic movies ever. I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of millionaires, probably even billionaires out there that are big collectors and Star Wars mm -hmm. fans and stuff like that. There's Somebody's going to snatch this up and it's going to go for way more than 400000 It's going to be a bidding it, I I anticipate this is probably going to go for closer to maybe like two mil. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now I this mean, one was lost for a long time, right? Or thought to be lost. Yeah. Yeah. That's they why did. it's so unique. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, they ended up finding it in uh, a collection of this guy, uh, Greg Jane Jane. I, I forget. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm not sure how to pronounce that. But he'd been uh, an award, you know, award-nominated uh, miniature maker. He worked on Star Trek. He worked on Close Encounters and all this stuff. And somehow, I don't think he worked on Star Wars, but he wound up with one of these. Maybe another friend, you mm -hmm. know, that was that worked in the business. Maybe gave him one as a gift or something like that. Um, yeah. So this thing, like. Not only for just like Star Wars fans and collectors and stuff like that is this like a prized thing, but especially, I guess, amongst other special effects artists and model oh, builders, yeah. this is considered like 
Holy Grail. Right. Yeah, wow. that's what they said. They said to them for it said for the uh, quoting uh, Greg Kaziki here, who had worked on things like Face Off and stuff like that. He said, for those of us that grew up in the 1970s or 80s, and those of us that work in visual effects, this model is as significant to find as the ruby red slippers or the Maltese Falcon. Mm. And I, I feel that. I think that's true. I mean, I think that, that this is up there. Hell, I mean, no disrespect to legendary things like the Maltese Falcon, but I feel like this might even be more so because Star Wars just has such a wider spread, you know, of, of interest and everything across the globe. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if I could say that anymore for the Maltese Falcon, although, you know, again, it's an absolute classic, but... um. Uh, the miniature uh, X-Wing is it's 124th scale, and it was only one of four models built for the close-up. So that's the thing. Oh, it's yeah, not it's really it's, rare. Right. It's not like they had made like two dozen of them. There were four of them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, then these were used for a bunch of the close-ups. So if you have that model, it's like you can watch that movie and be like, there it is right there. Like, it's not something that was in the background. Like, this was it. Mm-hmm. This was the X-Wing. Wow. So it's a big deal. And when is this auction? Um, it, it will be auctioned off, it says, on the weekend of the 14th and 15th. Oh, we'll have to report back on that. Hopefully we'll hear how much it really goes for. Yeah, because I, like I said, for uh, just stating it here for historical purposes, <laughs> when we talk about it next month, I think it's going to go for somewhere around two mil. Two mil? Yeah. that's that's. I'm going to guess 800,000. I'm just going to throw something out there. Okay, you're going to go a little more conservative. Yeah. Well, you might be right. We'll see. Maybe we'll fall somewhere in the middle. In the middle, yeah. Okay. (laughs) So I know there was, in addition to this, there was something much more expensive and much larger that just went onto the market. Much larger, yeah, compared to 124th. Um, The Brady Bunch House. The Brady Bunch House? Brady Bunch House. Oh, wow. Sold. And they actually sold, somebody bought it. Somebody (laughs) actually bought it. Um, you know, remember a couple years ago, HGTV it was a big thing with them. They I bought do. it and bought it, uh, beat out Lance Bass from NSYNC. That's right. right. I forgot um, about the whole NSYNC thing with that. Yeah. And because he wanted it and they beat him out. And apparently the outside of this house was the only thing shot for the TV show. So the inside of the house looked nothing like that what I, you would expect. That I knew. Okay. I remember that from watching documentaries and stuff years ago that they said that the actual inside of the Breedy house that we all saw, that was a set. It's all sets, exactly. So they only so, used the exterior for those shots and everything. Correct. Okay. So, so HGTV spent like $5 million to make the inside of this house the Brady Bunch house. Oh, wow. Just like you know it from with the 70s. Okay. Like every detail, the bedrooms, everything. Somebody actually bought it. Okay. You want to guess how much she spent? Um. Well, how much did you say the house cost? Uh, they put it on the marker for $5.5 5 Okay. Did it go for more or less? It went for, she got a bargain. Oh, Okay, I'm gonna say two mil. Three? That's that's my that's my amount. I'm throwing you're out going, for everything. You're sticking with it. No how matter much is what. <laughs> how, how much for a can of soda? Two mil. Two mil. <laughs> <laughs> um, Three point two million. She spent on three point two. Okay, that's still that's still over two million off mm-hmm. of what they were yeah, asking. Yeah, so she got a bargain for it. Hmm. Um, but she doesn't plan to live in it. Anything like that. Okay. She's going to use it for charitable events. Um, okay. 
fundraisers, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it was kind of a novelty. And she doesn't want to mess with it. She's going to keep it exactly as it is because she said it's a piece of art. It's pure perfection. She's not going to touch it. And she doesn't want anybody to be able to go in there and touch it, which is why she bought it. Weird. Weird. That just seems weird. She, and she said, "This is I'm totally losing on this. But oh, to yeah. her, it's worth it. It's art. Just like you would spend $2 million on the Mona Lisa, conservatively. Yeah, well, you'd spend a lot more than that on the Mona Lisa. This, like is, her, this is her piece of art. So, yeah. that she will lose out on because she's got to pay the electricity bill. I was just going to say, property taxes. I'll be curious to find out how long, how long that lasts. she actually yeah. owns it. I give it five years. Five I years? It, I give it five years and uh, then she's going to be like, all right, I got to unload this. Because I would think that at the very least you should tour, turn it into some sort of tourist kind of trap thing where you can charge people mm-hmm. and all that and make some kind of, even if you make just enough money off of it to pay like the taxes. Like and, the Christmas story house here. Right. And stuff. Yes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because uh, that's, that's just, and in California, that's just so expensive. Yeah, and I think so people talked to her about like expensive. making an Airbnb and stuff like that, and I guess it's like too restrictive and all the nuances of trying to make that there's, happen. There's a it, lot. It would be too much. Yeah, to there's there's a lot of really really strict housing laws and stuff in California, and it's mm-hmm. been a problem for years now because they've got a housing problem. Not to get all serious here, but just for a second, it's they've got a housing problem in California, and they're not allowed to do. Um, there's a lot of really strict laws about making. Uh, apartment buildings and condos mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. They're super duper strict about all that stuff. But and, they don't want to charge your arm and a leg for a house. Give me a break. Oh, it's crazy. It's crazy yeah, out there. Yeah, and people are trying to constantly cut corners on that. So I can't imagine how this woman is going to sit on this Brady Bunch house for a long time and well, make... she's loaded, so we'll see. Yeah, but even loaded people, you can't you can't you've just got your limits. Yeah, you've got your limits. You can't just like lose money left and right like that because then you ain't gonna be loaded no more. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I said I'll give it five years, and then it's gonna be like, all right, we gotta open this thing up to the public, and you know, do something with that. I I think there's the allure of it being a piece of art is going to uh, wear off. Wear off. Fast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But that's pretty interesting. Well, speaking of pieces of art, yeah. we have a couple of big anniversaries that have passed yeah. recently. Art to us. Yeah. As of September 8th of 2023 this year, it is the 57th anniversary of Star Trek. Oh, we don't know anything about Star Trek. Not a thing. Gosh. Thank I mean, you, Lucille Ball, for I, saving it. I think we've heard of Star Trek. Do, do you know the Star Trek thing? I mean, have we ever talked about it on here? A little bit. We need to freaking finish it, though. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think it's like... 80% of what we've talked about on this <laughs> channel. We've spoofed it. We've we even tried for a while reviewing every episode and all that kind of Yeah, we do need to get back to that. Mm-hmm. We do. I really miss do. I really want to get to it. So Yeah, I miss doing it. The first episode was The Man Trap, written by George Clayton Johnson, directed by Mark Daniels. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was the one with the salt the M113 salt vampire. Uh-huh. And the whole thing with McCoy, wasn't that his ex? His ex yeah. yeah, it looks so beautiful. She hasn't aged a day. Yeah, well, that's because she's a salt vampire. <laughs> Come on, bones. You should know better than that. You're a doctor. You know people age. Come on. I'm a doctor, Jim, not an ageologist. <laughs> anyway, yeah, okay, that's cool. 57 years, wow. So Star Trek, oh, that's sad. You know what's sad about that? 
It's only seven years older than you? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> because to me, I think of Star Trek as being really old. old. <laughs> like, man, Star Trek's so old. You know, it's from the 60s. And you look at it and it looks old, you know? Uh-huh. And it's like, yeah, dude, you're only seven years only seven years uh, younger than it. Uh-huh. Wow, that's <laughs> crazy. Well, you know what? Speaking of that, speaking of seven years younger. So in the year I was born, 1973, on that same day, September 8th, same day as Star Trek, not same day as when I was born. <laughs> uh, September 8th, 1973, saw the debut of The Super Friends. The Super Friends. Uh, It was an American, I'm sure most of you know what it is, but just in case you don't, it was an American animated television series that was all about a team of DC superheroes based on DC comics. It ran a long time. It it went through different iterations, but it ran from 1973 to 1985. I loved every every bit of it. I watched it. I mean, again, it came out the year I was born, so I was probably watching it from before I could even talk or walk or anything like that. And I watched it right up till the end, and I still watch it. I've got the, I've got the DVDs and all that stuff. <laughs> uh, my buddy Ed actually sent me Ed, if you're listening, hey, what's going on? My buddy Ed sent me uh, a DVD set of the Super Friends not too long ago. He found he found one of the seasons for a really really cheap price, and he just gifted it to me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I and it is awesome, man, because I love I love those box sets like that, and I love Super Friends. Did you did you do you remember? Because you would have been around. You you were born in the '80s, so do you remember the Super Friends cartoon? I, I don't. With really Superman, know. Batman, Robin, it was all those it's Wonder like Woman. It's like a vague memory, but I don't actually remember watching it. Yeah, I'm sure you saw it. Yeah, because like sure you I said, did, it was but... on until it ran until 1985, and then I think they did still run like reruns, reruns. and stuff yeah. for years after that. But man, that was great. I loved uh, my favorite of all of them was Challenge of the Super Friends. That was the one. I think that was from '78. 78 to 79 something like that they they always changed it up a little bit mm-hmm. like when it, when this first came out it was uh it was wendy and marvin were the the two sidekick kids that were because they had to throw kids into it of course <laughs> you know they had to always do something make it of, relatable make it relatable and and everything it was wendy and marvin and then they changed it later to uh zan and jana the wonder twins mm-hmm. do you know about the wonder twins with the rings wonder twins activate Okay, yeah. Form of a lion. Yeah. Form of a rain cloud. Yeah. Like, like they, three Power Rangers there? Kind of, yeah. One of them, one of, the one could turn into, I think that, I think Jaina could turn into an animal and Zan could turn into um, something. Like he could turn into water or he could turn into, you know, wind or something like that. Oh, okay. And then they had the monkey, the little purple monkey, Gleek. So Zan, Jaina, and Gleek. Anyway, so yeah, I, I, I love that show. Um, it's still great. And yeah, 50 years, man. It's crazy to think it's been around for 50 years. A little less old, but still but old. <laughs> old by a lot of people's standards is, uh, I think you shared it actually in the group, didn't you? That it is the 30th anniversary of Nirvana's In Utero album. It came out September 23rd, 1993. And I mean, it's Nirvana. That was their last studio album because it was, geez, wow, that's crazy to think. I didn't even think about this. So they put that album out on September 23rd, seven months later, was it? Maybe seven months, six, seven months later, Kurt Cobain was gone. Wow. Like, I didn't even think about how, like, short of a, a shelf life that album had mm-hmm. before he was gone. 
wow, man, things seemed so much longer back in those days, <laughs> you know, like a, a Nirvana um, Nevermind album came out in September of 91. Then this was September of 93. And then by the spring of 94, they were done. And I mean, this wow. is Nirvana. You, yeah, think about that. Now, I mean, Nirvana had been around for years before they had their first album, Bleach, that was like an underground thing. And they'd been lingering around in the underground since 88 or whatever it was. But still, really, for most people... For as big as they are, that's that's a short amount of time. That's a such an two and impact. a half years. Two and a half years. That's incredible. That's it, and they're considered now to be one of the most important, biggest mm-hmm. bands up there with you know Elvis Presley and the Beatles. Wow! Like it's crazy to think what they did in that short amount of time. Well, but so since there's a 30th anniversary of In Utero, they are announcing a 30th anniversary reissue of that album and it's going to be available in several different formats because that's what they do nowadays. <laughs> there's going to be a deluxe edition that come that comes out with 53 53 previously unreleased tracks. And then there's a, a limited edition 8 LPs super deluxe box set five cd super deluxe box set one lp plus a 10 inch record a two cd deluxe edition and a digital super deluxe edition i can tell you right now the one i'm going to probably get is the one lp plus the 10 inch record i as much as i would love to have the eight lp vinyl record set i think it's going to cost like 400 dollars or something like that <laughs> but i'm sure there's a lot of people out there that are going to want that especially with 53 unreleased tracks on there um it comes with a hardcover book with unseen photographs a tour poster from la two ticket stubs from 1993 a tour laminate and four cloth backstage passes so yeah i mean if you're like a diehard nirvana fan you're gonna want that but anyway, so yeah, I am not sure when I I don't have a specific date for when this comes out, but anybody that's interested in these new uh Nirvana in Utero special editions, they're coming out this October. So pretty soon. Um I just want to add in there. I just saw the other yeah. day also 30 years, which is insane to think about. Yeah. That thing you do. That thing you do is coming out for the first time on vinyl. Ooh. A couple days ago, September 6th, and it looks gorgeous. Mondo Music and Playtone are in collaboration with Sony Music and 20th Century Studios to present the first ever vinyl release of that thing that you do. It's just, there's no that. That thing you do. That thing you do. That thing that you do. <laughs> it's the, that thing yeah. you do. Whatever. <laughs> Love that song, but look how gorgeous that vinyl oh, is. Oh yeah, that's it's so nice. colorful. Yeah, for those at home that can't see and everything. Yeah, it's it's like a multicolored, splattery kind of... Uh, Clear thing. Yeah, that's, a, that's really cool. So, oh man, I, I love that soundtrack. That's yeah. I definitely have to look into look that, that one. Yeah, yeah me too. I, I, as you were talking, I was like, oh yeah, I think I remember seeing that. So. Yeah, I did not see anything about that. So this is the first time hearing about it. Oh man, so it came out on the 6th. Yeah, huh? 12 p.m. Oh, it's shoot. Pre, it's pre-order, so... Yeah, so I hope we'll, it's not sold out. Yeah, we'll oh. have to see. We're going to Yeah, it. when we get done with this, I'm going to have to go look <laughs> Google that up. Google it right now. Yeah, so. exactly. Well, and then there was one last 30-year uh, anniversary uh, marked for this month. And, man, it, yeah, this is another one that's hard for me to, to wrap my brain around. <laughs> On September 24th, 1993, so this was literally the day after Nirvana released In Utero. On September 24th, Released to the movie theaters, Dazed and Confused. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) 
So, I mean, that's, come on, it's Days of Confused. It's interesting that that movie came out. It was, it was not a hit at all. It did not do well at the movie theater. Oh, but, no? Oh, no, really? no, no. That that flew over most people's heads. Like, it was, you know, it was a Richard Linklater movie. He was not, like, a mainstream name at the time. Um, and it featured a bunch of new actors, new young actors that nobody had heard of. That's crazy to think Gee, about. Gee, who has anybody ever heard of these actors? Because uh, it starred Ben Affleck, Renee Zellweger, Matthew McConaughey, Jason London, Joey Lorden Adams, Mila Jovovich, Parker Posey, Adam Goldberg, and Anthony Rapp, amongst others. Ben Affleck and Matthew McConaughey alone. You're talking about two of the biggest actors, two of the most successful, biggest, most well-known actors of the oh, last yeah. 30 years. They started in this movie. Yeah, the way Matthew McConaughey got in this movie is he met like one of the people working on the movie. He was like bartending. Mm. And he was talking about how he wanted to be an actor and all this kind of stuff. And <laughs> and he just had a certain personality. And the guy was like, you know, I think I got a spot. For we you. might have something for you and everything. And he became the most iconic character of that movie. All you got to do is go up to somebody, and go, all right, all right, all right. And everybody knows, knows exactly what that is. You know, anyway, that movie came out 30 years ago next week. That was a movie that when I first saw it, I absolutely head over heels fell in love with that movie i fell in love with that movie i've watched that movie so many times now that i kind of can't watch it anymore because i watched it so much and i know it by heart hmm. i will watch it if it's on but it, it's just yeah it's i mean back then they came out with like a book that i remember going to like walden books and i bought I bought like a companion book that was all about the movie. It was done sort of like a yearbook. I was like so into that movie. And it, again, it was so kind of underground that there wasn't a lot about it. And it wasn't until after a couple of years of it being out and getting on cable and being out on video that it took off. And yeah. I've never seen it. You've never seen Days and Confused. Ever have I seen it. Oh my god, it's it's one of the greatest movies of the last 30 I years. Oh, it's on my list. Easily. It's so funny and it's so even though and that was the thing when it came out, it still felt relatable. Like everything about it, the the relationships, the things you go through when you're going into high school, you know, cuz it follows kind of follows two groups of kids. It follows these kids that are going into their senior year of high school and these kids that are getting out of 8th grade and going into high school and they're going to be the freshmen and like mm -hmm. how terrifying that is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's that's a big part of it, you know, the hazing and all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And showing how you can or can't establish yourself like the need to sort of be like hey you're going into high school you have to like establish yourself or you're going to have a tough time like you better you better figure out who you are who are you going to hang out yeah, who with do you want to be in high school yeah exactly i knew people even again even though this was supposed to be in the 70s i knew people like all of these kids and it was super relatable i was i was only just a couple years out of high school myself you mm -hmm. know so i still was in that mindset and uh yeah it's a great movie you definitely got to watch it it's all been right. not, it's 30 years meg now <laughs> you know 30 years behind all right better I'll now than it. better now than never you know <laughs> so uh what else have we got going on um I posted it in the group, a new movie that's coming out. So we'll switch from 30 years to new. Okay. Uh, stars David Duchovny and Meg Ryan. And it's called What Happens Next. And it's this 
ex, two exes, they're divorced. Right. And they are stuck in an airport overnight. They're like snowed in or something. Right. <laughs> it's like the airport talks to them. I don't know. It's very surreal. It's It seemed a little bit surreal. This seemed like, a, like one of those, you know, you got mail kind yes. of movies, but it's got a little bit of a of a meta kind of feel to yes. it as well. Cause they're like answering the airport back and stuff like that. It's, I'm very curious about this movie. Yeah. It looked cute. It seems like a typical rom-com exes that who find their way back to each other. Right. Through this snowstorm. I mean, maybe, I mean, we don't know if they'll this, find it. This, this is true. The way, the, the way the trailer, cause I watched the trailer that you shared and the way the trailer shared it definitely, I, I was glad that it left it ambiguous enough that you don't know for certain that it's going to have this like happy romantic ending, you right. know, it may, it may have a happy ending, but it may not be them getting together romantically. It may right. be like, okay, we're good now. Right. We don't, I don't hit your guts now, which is weird. Cause if I'm stuck in an airport overnight, I'm going to be real cranky. <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> I'm not going to be willing to converse with, nicely your with anybody, much less an ex. Yeah. So not realistic at all, but yeah. <laughs> it could be a fun little ride. Well, so. I mean, that's what rom-coms are all about. Exactly. They're not meant to be realistic. realistic. I think a lot of people, unfortunately, want their lives and their romantic lives and stuff to be like a rom-com. And it's like, no, that's that's kind of why rom-coms ex- exist. It's just fantasy yeah, because it's an escape. it doesn't work that way. <laughs> if only, if only it could work that way, but it, it just doesn't, you know? So they didn't give a date yet, right? No, it's, I think it's out. too soon for dates. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe when we find out more about it or if we see any more newer trailers or something, we'll talk about it yeah, again we'll later. Revisit it. But yeah, that did sound like pretty interesting and stuff. I agree. There's definitely a couple parts in that trailer that made me chuckle. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, I might be interested in seeing this one. We're still overdue to talk about rom-coms. We but are. We gotta wait for Mr. Matt to be available. I know. Matt was going to do the rom-com thing with us, but you know, he's, he's a busy boy. Moving on a little bit. Uh, one of the, one of the last things I wanted to talk about here in the shake and bacon segment was it has to do with movies. And this is something that was shared with us in, in the group by Geeking Squad forum member Javier. So how you doing, Javier? Hopefully you're listening. I know usually he does. So mm-hmm. Javier shared something that I thought it was a little video and it was an amazing fan theory video about how The Breakfast Club was in fact all a fantasy occurring inside the head of Ali Sheedy's character, Allison. Hmm. And so hear me out real quick. I'll, t- I'll explain it. So if you really think about it again, I mean, I know it's a movie and everything and it's not, you know, you're not supposed to necessarily take it super seriously and think of it as being super legit like this could happen. But there's a lot of stuff about that movie that just seems fantastical. Okay. You know, I mean, there's like. Even, uh, what's his face, uh, Judd Nelson walk going through the ceiling and falling through the ceiling and stuff like that when he's trying when he's trying to get away and he escapes out of the closet that the principal locked him in and he wants to get back to the room. He falls through the ceiling and all of a sudden there's the scene where they all smoke weed and they're like dancing in unison and all this <laughs> and, and uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Emilio Estevez yells so loud that it shatters the glass and all this stuff. And even during that scene and a lot of these other scenes, if you watch Allison, she's not participating. 
Oh, really? She's watching. Okay. She's always watching. Even there's like the famous scene of them all running down the hallway and she's just standing there leaning up against the locker, kind of watching them go by like a cat, you know, just like watching. <laughs> and then and then when like all the dancing, a lot of the dancing stuff is going on, she does dance a little bit, but she doesn't smoke any of the weed. Hmm. Like everybody else gets high, but she doesn't. A huge majority of like the conversation stuff, she kind of, she jumps in, but she doesn't have as much to say as like the rest of them do. And there's just all these different aspects. If you go back and watch that movie, watch it with the perspective of Allison, in fact, is the only person there at that, that detention that day. And she's imagining all these people being there because she's lonely and she's, you know, maybe got, issues and things and she's imagining all of that in her head to sort of like entertain herself and everything even like the thing at the end where she 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 wins over the big jock preppy popular guy at the end and stuff Mm -hmm. like it's it all just seems very fantastical and when you think about it that way you go oh wow like i don't think that's i don't think that's what john hughes intended I think that this is all just fan fiction, just right. like just like thinking that the dark side of the moon was meant to be synced up with the Wizard of Oz, you know, like that whole thing that people came up with, where if you sync up Pink Floyd and Wizard of Oz, they, they line up perfectly and all this. Nobody intended it that way. It's just one of those things that it's like, oh, that actually works out, you know. <laughs> but this one I thought was really interesting because at first when I saw it, I was like, okay, what's this going to be about? And when I heard them describe all the things that made them think this, I went, oh shit, that actually makes a lot of sense. That actually makes a lot of sense. And it kind of makes me enjoy the movie in a different way and look at it differently. Hmm. So That's a neat little theory there. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, there have been other theories like that out there. They had this similar theory about Greece. There's fan theories that go on about that. And that's an interesting one too, because, and I think that's even more of a stretch, but the movie starts with her and Danny on on the the beach beach and everything. And they're running around and, you know, and she says, is this the end? No, it's just the beginning. And then it cuts. Then you get the credits. And then the next thing you know, she's at high school now. Even though she wasn't supposed to be there, she's, she's, and we just get the whole change of plans, you know, mm-hmm. I thought you was, I thought you were going back to Australia. We had a change of plans. That's all the explanation we've gotten for why Sandy now suddenly lives in America right. and is going to high school for a whole fucking year <laughs> and everything's like, well, that's a hell of a change of plans. Right? You know, I thought you were just here for vacation. Well, people have a theory that actually what happened was. Because if you listen to like the say the lyrics in Summer Nights, mm-hmm. when Danny says, I saved her life, she nearly drowned. Yep. And the whole like difference in stories going back and forth that Sandy almost drowned or did drown. Mm-hmm. And this is all going on inside her head as she's drowning or maybe she's in the hospital or something like that. And the and this is like totally a bummer. And that at the end when she suddenly flies away in a car, suddenly the car can fly at the end when she's in there with Danny, (laughs) she she died. She died. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's so fucking depressing. Yeah, I don't like that theory. No, I I reject it. We couldn't have a group too if we we had that. So that's not possible. That's 
Nope. And that would explain why she's not in Grease 2. Grease 2 sucks. Never Grease mind. 2 doesn't have anything to do. <laughs> Grease 2 doesn't have anything to do with Danny and, and I Sandy. I know, but the boy is like a nephew or something related to them. It's no, the boy. Oh, you're talking about Michael. Yeah. From, yeah, Michael from Grease 2. Michael is supposed to be Sandy's cousin. Yeah, okay, never mind. I thought he was like a kid. No. No, he was supposed to be because it's only it's only supposed to be it's only supposed to be like two years later or something like that. Oh, okay. Man, stop bagging on my grease too. Grease sucks. Come on, grease sucks. Grease is awesome. Anyway, they're both awesome. I reject that theory. Listen, listen, listen. If you really want to know what I want in a film, I want a cool writer. Oh my god, a cool writer. If it's cool enough, it it can burn me through and through. Make it stop. Make it stop. Oh man, I really do love Grease too, though. You it's, really it's, do. it's terrible, but I love it. You know, it's it's so good. Um, I actually have three copies of it on vinyl. Are you sh- you're shitting me? Yeah, I have a colored like a rare limited of Grease too. Of Grease too, yeah. And I have my original one that I grew up with that's all scratched up and stuff because me and Steve, my old buddy Steve, played it so much and everything. And yeah, I've got multiple copies of it because it is awesome. Wow. Yep. It's, it's all right. Moving on. What do we got next? I'm done. Uh, all right. I think uh, <laughs> I think it's probably time to go into our whole squad talk segment. So um, before we go into that, we do want to play a little snippet here from our beloved sponsors, the group that we are part of with this podcast, mm-hmm. Prescribed Films Podcast Network. So let's see what they have to say. listening to the prescribed films podcast network home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment the shows on this network all have a common goal providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media the pfpn hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com thanks for listening All right, we are back with a little bit of the old squad talk for you. Um, in this segment, squad talk, we usually talk about, uh, we started off usually talking about something that's going on in modern uh, news, current news that has to do with geeky stuff. As anybody that's listened to us before knows that we we focus a lot on sort of like UFO, alien news, a lot of that, you know, uh, tech, modern tech type stuff. There isn't a ton to talk about this week, so we'll keep it kind of brief. And then we do have some really fun memes and stuff we want to talk about as well. But one of the things that did come up uh, regarding the whole alien thing, as, as, as probably most of you know, lately, aliens and UFOs or UAPs or whatever they want to call them now have been very present in the current news and stuff because they've, they've all, but basically said like, yeah, there are legitimate UFOs and things out there. Like the government, everybody's basically admitted it and said it exists. 
and we don't know what it is. They're not saying that it's from another planet. They're just saying it exists and we don't know what it is. It's not from our planet. Right. Or, well, yeah, I don't think it's from our planet. But um, so just recently, literally just a few days ago, down in Mexico City, uh, Mexico's Congress were gathered together to listen to testimony from some so-called experts who study extraterrestrials and they started out the hearing with a big bombshell surprise <laughs> and so well take this for what it what it's worth okay so this self-described ufologist his name is Jaime Mosan he brought two caskets two little caskets into the congressional chambers mm-hmm. and when they uncovered them they had two weird little bodies in there and the the bodies were white and kind of looked like stereotype stereotypical aliens you know like they had they had the big head and the little body they only yeah. had three fingers they had the weird eyes and all that stuff um musan said they found them in peru in 2017 and they're estimating them to be around a thousand years old and on top of that he said that one of the bodies one of the mummies that he found was pregnant Although I guess he's saying they're not actually mummies. He said these aren't mummies. They're complete bodies that have not been manipulated. Uh, And he did this under oath. And he claimed under oath that these bodies are non-human. So so he and others uh, presented similar claims about alleged alien remains in the past. Uh, Most scientists dismiss them as either ancient Peruvian mummies or manipulated mummies. There's the name of my new band. Manipulated mummies. Yeah. We are manipulated mummies. <laughs> One, two, three, four. Anyway, um, during that that hearing, this this forensic expert, Jose de Jesus Zalce Benitez, he was a forensic expert and a military doctor. He uh, he he walked Congress through scans of the alleged alien bodies, and he was claiming that they had big brains and big eyes. And he he said that the eyes allowed for these aliens to have stereoscopic vision and they had no teeth. So they probably, the only way they would uh, take gum things to death. Yeah. They would just gum you to death. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They, they probably just drank. They just relied on liquids and stuff. You don't know, could it absorb through the skin? They, there's all sorts of ways you can. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's that. The, you're just using our you're, rules. You're just guessing. Yeah. yeah. Well, this whole thing is kind of precarious. And, and that is not, not least of which shared by uh, Ryan Graves. Now, we've talked about Ryan Graves before. He's the executive director of Americans for Safe Aerospace. And he's a former Navy fighter pilot. And he was one of the three veterans who testified not long ago mm-hmm. in front of the U.S. Congressional Subcommittee when they were talking about the existence of UFOs. I think that was back in July. We talked about that. Yes, we did. So he was one of the guys there. So he went down there for this. And during his talk and everything, they were also showing Congress there in Mexico some videos similar to what he experienced, videos of Mexican pilots who were struggling to make sense of these same kind of fast-moving flying objects. Okay. The thing is, the next day after these hearings, Graves, Mr. Graves, he he distanced himself from this whole thing. He posted on X. I hate that we got to call it X. It's so stupid. It's Twitter. <laughs> He posted on X Twitter that he had accepted the invitation to go to this thing, hoping to keep up momentum of government interest in pilot experiences with UAPs. 
But he said, and quoting Mr. Graves, he said, unfortunately, yesterday's demonstration was a huge step backwards for the issue. My testimony centered on sharing my experience and the UAP reports I hear from commercial and military air crew through ASA's witness program. But I will continue to raise awareness of UAP as an urgent matter of aerospace safety, national security, and science. But I am deeply disappointed by this unsubstantiated stunt. So even though Graves was there, I feel like he he's kind of looking at this like, oh, this is a bunch of bullshit, you know, like these, and it might not be, but it probably is. I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, they would have to get these these remains in the hands of these were just investigated by like in, independent, you know, self-proclaimed ufologists and mm-hmm. stuff like that. These weren't taken to some like super high tech Right. labs here or in another country you know and graves before was talking about how they have a body and i'm wondering if he's like that is not is what not have. what we have it's totally something different could be it's not yeah well and that's maybe why he's like okay this is not congruent to what we've been finding that's probably part of it so it makes him seem more reputable well and i think that's what his concern is that's why he's distancing himself from it because it's been such a fight to get to just where he is now and where we're at now where we're even getting government agencies and stuff to listen listen and admit that hey there might be something else going on and you start rolling out these funky little et dummies out to out to you know these things and that's the kind of stuff that delegitimizes right. the whole cause. If anybody gets defensive and says, well, why are you automatically assuming that these these uh, these Central American uh, guys don't know what they're talking about? I'm not saying that. They might be legit, but the way they went about it, the way they made such a show of it and the sideshow of it without having the real science and everything to document that like no we've proven that this is actual extraterrestrial remains here mm-hmm. and the way it was done it just it makes it seem illegitimate and that's the big problem right but i thought that was interesting i thought that was just interesting that we're at that point now where people are going to roll that out and it makes me wonder if there are going to be more things rolled out and it Here's the thing. It kind of goes back to what Graves and a lot of these people have talked about before when it comes to UAPs and everything. Mm-hmm. Out of 100% of things that are brought forward and reported and all that stuff, maybe 3% of it is legit. Right. It's going to be a small fraction of it. Just like the stuff we see on the internet, a small fraction of it is legit. <laughs> right. Everything else we make up. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So the point of the matter is, is there's nothing to say that if like things do start coming forward and people do start coming forward with things where they're like, well, you know, I found this in a field like 58 years ago and I've held on to it ever since and not wanted to bring it out because I didn't know what to do with it or nobody wanted to believe me. There's nothing to say that that might not be like fucking legit you know like that might be legit extraterrestrial you know mm-hmm. uap or it might stuff. just be baloney yeah or it could be something or, or something or be, deformed you know yeah or i mean could be not, anything even if it's not just until even we if properly it, test it we don't know right even if it's not remains even if it's just like pieces of a ship or something right. like that or or some sort of satellite that they sent i'm saying like there's libel to be a lot of that stuff and now with this 
opening up, there might be more people that start coming forward with this. Mm-hmm. But it's just all that much more reason why they have to be do do Dil- di- yes. yeah due diligence and really make sure really that test stuff- things and find where the legit parts are. Yeah, what I would like to talk about is getting into the fun part. We usually get into the fun part. I call it of it's all fun. <laughs> this is all fun, but this is like the more fun and games part. You could say of squad talk and matt our our beloved pal matt posted a meme thing and it was uh, one of those like you can only choose one things and there's a spin on this though okay in the original meme it says the keys are in the ignition but you can only take one which one would you take and it shows Eight different vehicles. One is the, what is it like the silver, the gray, silver, and blue car from Too Fast, Too Furious. One of them is the DeLorean from Back to the Future. One of them is Kit, the car from Knight Rider. One of them is the car from, you know, the, the, the well-known car, the red and white car from Starsky and Hutch. Another one is the car from James Bond. Another one is the car, the black car from Mad Max. Another one is the, I don't even know what you would call that color, the, the Fast and Furious car. I'm, orange. I'm not a, yeah, orangey. I'm not a Fast and Furious guy, so forgive me, everybody at home. I'm, I'm not real familiar with it. The Fast and Furious car. And last but not least, we have Ecto-1, <laughs> the car from Ghostbusters. So keys or ignition, you can take one. Which one would you take? Now, just, now we're going to do a different spin on this in a moment. Oh, but, okay. But just based on the one. If you could only pick one of those, Meg, which one would you take? Um, my, I think I'm going to go Starsky and Hutch. That's a really cool it's car. It's a badass man. car right there. Yeah. I grew up with that car, you know, like that was, I mean, I remember. It's got some beef to it. Yeah. It's a 70s Drag car. Drag racing. Yeah. Just driving around. Drift it. It's so, I mean, all of these cars are, are <laughs> drifted. All of these cars. I'm pretty sure you could do that with the Too Fast, Too Furious car too. But, but Those are too new, too fancy. Yeah. I'm the, not, this one's going to hold up when I wreck it. Oh. If I roll it, it'll hold up. It'll be fine. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Let's not test that theory. <laughs> but yeah, I grew up with that car. You know, I even had a toy one when I was a kid. So of course I'm, I'm drawn to that one. I think that if I'm only able to choose one, I'm going with Kit. Okay. The Night Rider car. Because I think anybody that knows me could easily see me driving around having a conversation with my car. <laughs> right? You guys would both be yelling at traffic together. Yelling yeah, and yelling <laughs> at each other and just talking. Yeah. So again, Night Rider came out back when I was, oh, I don't know, eleven years old or something mm, like that. Yeah, it's so a pretty cool car. Right. It's it still is. <laughs> Right, exactly. It just, it still appeals to me, you know, it it still appeals to the 11 year old inside me. It seems like it would be comfortable. It can do a lot. It can talk to you. I think it's cool. Yeah. I don't want mine to talk to me. Okay. Like you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. Stop it. Um, you already have that. That's when you're using your GPS Yeah, and you're not following it correctly. I know. Shut up. (laughs) Come on, catch up with me. You'll figure out where I'm going soon. So so the other spin on this that Matt threw out there was he said you we could do this differently and it's like if, if you had one that was say a prop car that you could drive in the real universe and then one that was purely for the fantasy universe like you know what I mean like mm-hmm. what one would you want in real life what one would you want on 
in film or in fantasy or whatever. So you get to pick two. So now if you're picking two, what would you pick? So would you stick in the real life with the Starsky and Hutch yes. car? Yes. Okay. But what would you pick as your fantasy car? Um, I'm torn between two. Okay. And I think one's obvious. It's the Back to the Future car. Yeah. you know, you get to go back to the future. <laughs> right. But... I also, the Ghostbusters car is kind of cool if it has that, that seat in the back where it kind of goes out. Oh, like, yeah. I could do so much fun stuff with that. Yeah, that's true. So I, I'm, I'm torn. Yeah. They're both pretty cool cars. Yeah, I think I'd stick with, um, hmm. Trying to decide, would I, would I stick with Knight Rider as being my real world car? Um, I think I would. I think I would stick with Kit and stick with that to have that, like, you know, as my prop car or whatever. And then my fantasy car, like if there was one I was going to have in the fantasy world, it would be the DeLorean because yeah. I want to time travel really bad, you know, <laughs> so I would be super into time traveling. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's cool. Again, I if I was more into the Too Fast, Too Furious and Fast and Furious and all that stuff, if I was more into that, I know the James Bond car is is awesome and it's got a lot of cool features too. That's that's a really yeah, cool I was, one. Yeah, I was going Starsky and Hutch, James Bond. I was going back and forth with those. Two. Right, yeah. I feel that. I, I like the old car. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I'd be coming over being like, hey, can I borrow the Starsky car? You know? No. Like, yeah, I know. I know. But anyway, um, okay. Yeah, that was fun. I'd be curious to know at home. Let us know in the comments what you would pick out of those eight cars. What would be your choices? Back to our old pal Javier. He posted another choose one meme. And I thought this was an interesting one because it, it only offered up four different uh, choices, but it was all early 80s like epic songs so like songs yeah there's songs like total epic songs okay all different but i i guess i guess i could see you know they're they all yeah there you go i think they all are very epic in their own way hmm. part of this song wars thing and your four choices for you megan and for you at home are if you can only choose one africa by toto purple rain by prince hmm. in the air tonight by phil collins and every breath you take by the police. Mm. Now, I'm going to say this right off the bat. That is freaking hard. That is so hard. Everything I think I have it chosen. Right. You said another one. I was like, oh, oh no. Yeah, it's really hard because I can Those tell you. phenomenal ones. I can tell you personally, these are four of my favorite songs. Like there's, there's nothing wrong with any one of these songs. It's not like I'm going to go, well, that one, I don't like the vocal as much, or that one doesn't have a cool solo in it or something like that. Every one of these songs is amazing in its mm -hmm. own right for different reasons. Oh man, this is a tough one. I don't want to do this one. <laughs> I know. I know. You got to pick one and the other three got to go. No. What, what would it be, Megan? I will cut off my right arm. What? You got to pick one. What would man. it be? Uh, you know what? I'm just going to go with my initial choice because apparently it stuck out to me for some reason. And that's going to be Phil Collins in the air tonight. Is it because I sing it all the time? It might be. <laughs> well, I mean, it's such a such a haunting and amazing song. It's it's both pretty and heavy and creepy and mysterious. It's got that incredible drum break. I mean, right? that, that everybody knows that drum break. We all you know? know it's coming. Yeah. That doo -doo, we all got to do doo -doo. it. Yeah. Everybody. It's, yeah. 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 People might think that that would be the one I'd choose because out of the four songs here, that's the one that I actually perform live a lot of times when I'm out 
playing live. Uh, I don't think I'm going to choose that one though. As much as I love it, I can't. I can't say I love all of these songs almost equally. Yeah, because I was trying to also. I almost didn't go with that one because I was like, which one would be more difficult to perform? Just anybody can perform it. Oh, I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to give you an honest to God answer. They are all, all of them okay. difficult in their own right. Not impossible. I mean, I've, I've, I've played every one of these songs at one time or another. So it's not like it's impossible. It's not like playing, you know, some, some Stravinsky piece or something like that. You know, okay. it's, it's just, yeah, these are all complex tunes. I mean, Toto, Africa, that, mm -hmm. that's not an easy song by no. any means. The the vocal on that, whoo, that's a tough vocal. Every Breath You Take is a another amazing, beautiful, but creepy song. It's, mm -hmm. oh, it's such a, what an iconic song. Every one of these is iconic. I, I have to go with Purple Rain. Mm -hmm. I got to go with Purple Rain by Prince because it's, there's something about, that song when he kicks into the guitar solo at the end and everything like that's so, out of all four of these songs that is by far the most emotional mm -hmm. song and the fact that he created that song almost entirely by himself oh really almost yeah i mean it's what just what an amazing song what an wow yeah i i have to give it to purple rain but truthfully any one of those songs could potentially win yeah that, that's a good one yeah good one there javier man that was that's really tough it kills me not to have to not to be able to pick all of them <laughs> um lastly we've got another choose only one meme mm -hmm. and so it's very much like this music one but this one is about like epic films like you know sword epic sword kind of uh savage battles battle-y type okay. films and this one would be Braveheart. Okay. Highlander, the original Highlander. Okay. 300 mm -hmm. and Army of Darkness. Well, I'll tell you which one Matt would choose. Matt would I <laughs> Matt, I'm going to speak for you and say you would be picking Army of Darkness without yep. a doubt. He may even like these other ones, but Army of Darkness is going to win. Yep, he named his kid after him and everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Meg Yep. What are you picking? It's another difficult one, but I think I have an answer this time. Okay. Because I really enjoy this movie. It's really nice to look at, too. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. I already know the answer, then. <laughs> Is a 300. 300. 300 very well-shaped men. Wow. <laughs> no, I really love that. I fell in love with Dora Butler from that movie. Okay. Just his, you know, him as the person. Right. Not because he's ripped. But oh, had nothing to do with it. Had I'm nothing sure. to do with it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, great story. Loved everything. I have to make a confession. I've never seen it. Really? I've never seen 300. Oh. So that obviously isn't going to be on my list. No. Okay. I've never seen that one. For me, Army of Darkness is cool, but, uh, you know, forgive me, Matt. That's actually my least favorite of the Evil Dead trilogy. Mm -hmm. Um. That movie just was too goofy for me. Like, and it was good, but compared to Evil Dead One, which wasn't goofy at all, was Very thoroughly serious. frightening. Yeah. And Evil Dead Two, which straddled the line between being terrifying and goofy funny, uh, Army of Darkness went almost completely like 
funny, you know, <laughs> and everything. Uh, and it's a classic. I'm not, I'm not putting down Army of Darkness, so everybody relax. I'm not putting it down. <laughs> it's still awesome, but just out of the three, it's my least favorite. Choice. Okay. My favorite for the record is Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. That was that was that was the perfect balance between the comedy of the third movie and the horror of the first movie. Like it was right okay. right in the middle there. So we're down to two. So Braveheart is an incredible movie. Highlander is an incredible movie. Um, but Braveheart is a frustrating movie. Um, I know it's based on a true story and stuff, and so as such, it's got a very unhappy ending. I have to go. Yeah, it's it's an easy one for me because man, it's one of my favorite movies. It's fucking Highlander, man. I watched that movie so much when that <laughs> came out. When I got that on video, that's another one of those movies that I could quote almost verbatim. I don't know if I've ever seen the movie. Oh my god! <laughs> I love the TV show from. Little oh little no, 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 <laughs> not this conversation. Oh no. But I'm not sure I ever saw that oh, movie. <laughs> no. Oh my god, dude. Okay. Here we go again. Oh it's my a, god. it's on my list. I go through this with Vito, I go through this with Jess, I go through this with so many fucking people that sit there and they're like, oh, the TV show, the TV show is far superior. And I'm like, you're out of your minds! <laughs> you're out of your fucking minds! Well, the, to, okay, uh, to be fair, I haven't seen it to know if it's superior or not. Okay, okay so down. But I have a feeling you're going to like you to the breathe. show. I need you to breathe, I need you to pop the veins back in your forehead. I know a lot of people though, I honest God, I know a lot of people that loved the TV show and think that that's the, that I is the highlight. thoroughly, it, it is to me. Yeah. Because that's see. all I know. And that's going to be the problem is you're going to go back and you're going to watch this first movie and you're going to be like, oh no, this isn't right. And I feel that. I get that. Because that's, that's what I grew up that's with. That's what you know. But oh, I did it the other way around. I saw the movie when it came out. But man, I love that movie. Clancy Brown is the best villain ever. Playing, playing the Kurgan. Oh my God, he's so good in it. It's he what he was so terrifying, and that but entertaining mm-hmm. at the same time. I, I'm a huge Clancy Brown fan. He's so good. He's such a good actor. You know, he's in Ahsoka right now and everything. While well, he was in the first episode, and he was on Rebels. Yeah, for me, it's easy. It's it's the first Highlander with Christopher Christopher Lambert. Okay, Christopher Lambert is my Highlander. I'm fucking. St- Sticking to that like glue. And <laughs> You're that's, dying on that hill, huh? <laughs> I am dying on that hill, yes. And uh, if anybody else out there doesn't like it, then, you know, oh well. <laughs> that's their opinion. Yeah. You have yours. Exactly. <laughs> what do you suggest? All right. Well, I'll tell you what I suggest. I suggest all y'all at home that are listening to this or wherever you're listening to this, pay heed to our suggestions because we <laughs> like good stuff. We like a lot of good stuff. And now we want to suggest this is the part of the show where we suggest to you some things that we've been into and we've been enjoying lately. Mm-hmm. It could be something brand new. It could be something old that's worth revisiting. I think in Meg's case, that's exactly I'm going old. What we're getting into. Meg, what do do you suggest for these fine folks? So I have been binge watching some of my favorite cartoons from when I was a kid. Okay. And this one happens to be from 1987. 
It aired for four seasons, and it is DuckTales. <laughs> it's got the fun, catchy tune. I, I never skip it. How you can skip the intro. Never skip it. Got to listen to the whole song every time. <laughs> So, but it's on Disney Plus. It's got all the episodes on there. So I just binge one right after the other, and I am loving it. That's the nice thing now with like that's one of the for other things people can say sometimes about Disney Plus is that it's so cool that now you've got easy access to high quality versions. You can binge all of these old shows and movies that you grew up with. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Yeah, it's between DuckTales and then I'll go back to uh, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers. Of course. Because I love that theme song as well. And I just love those two. Yeah. I love the whole crew. So, yeah, I bounce back and forth both on Disney Plus and I'm in heaven. So, <laughs> that's my suggestion. Yeah, that's a good suggestion. I think it's good for people to go back and everything. Now, let me ask you a real quick question since you're suggesting it. Like, obviously, you watched this when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Do you feel, well, I guess you've already kind of answered in a sense. Do you feel like it holds up still as an adult? Yes. Yeah. It's still funny. It's still. I still enjoy it very much. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the main thing. There's a lot of things I loved as a kid and I go back and I try to watch it and now. And you're like, ooh. Then I'm like, ooh, yeah. That, this... That's a little rough. Yeah. Or can just... do that now. Yeah. Or didn't age. Yeah. It just didn't age well for one reason or another. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I still very much enjoy them. I find them funny. I don't find any anything overly offensive about what they've done that I've noticed. I'll have to like pay closer attention now, but yeah, nothing that stood out to me. Like, Oh, that's kind of dicey there. Still makes you giggle. It does. Okay. That's what matters. (laughs) That's what matters. All right. That's That's a good one. Get home and unwind. Yeah. I mean, that is a good one to just get home and unwind to because you don't need something too thought provoking if you've done enough thinking for the day. Right. Right. So when I don't do Star Trek, I do these. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Star Trek or DuckTales. Yep. All <laughs> what right. about you? Um, for me, I'm going completely opposite direction. I am recommending an album that just came out today. Oh. And I admit, I've not heard the whole album yet. What they've been doing is gradually releasing tracks for over the course of weeks, months here. They've been releasing tracks previewing the album up to its uh release and of all the tracks that i've heard i'm i'm really liking it okay and it is the sixth studio album by american heavy metal although i guess they're a heavy metal band i wouldn't really limit them to being a heavy metal band but uh the band baroness i'm sure there's some of you out there that are familiar with them i know they're not uh, they're not exactly a mainstream band, but they're, but they're known. Uh, Baroness is a great band. If you're into stuff like Mastodon or even Gojira or some of those bands, if you're into that, but you're also into like classic rock stuff, and if you're into like alternative rock kind of stuff and everything, this band has a really interesting and eclectic mix of all those genres. And their new album is called Stone. Every album they've done has always been based around a color or something. There was the red album, the blue album. There was yellow and green, which was a double album. There was purple. There was gold and gray. And now there's stone. Every album this band has done, I've enjoyed. With a slight exception for the previous album from 2019 being Golden Gray. I enjoy that album. I enjoy the songs on that album. I didn't enjoy the sound of that album. It, it's a really tough listen, the way they produced it and stuff. It's 
I, I don't know. It's too much to get into here. But every time Baroness, I've been into them for quite a while now. And every time they've done a new album, it's always been a step forward. You know, like, okay. every, and expectations on them by their fans is, it's pretty high. I, I feel for those guys because I know how hard it is for me to come up with the next album for my band and try to outdo ourselves. It's really hard for these guys because they, they always push it forward. And I feel like Golden Gray was the only album where I didn't get that vibe. Every previous album, especially albums like Purple and al in albums like Yellow and Green, when those albums first came out, I was like, oh my God, like the, just the, the growth there and the stuff they were doing, it was just, it felt familiar but fresh, you know, and taking it to the next level. Gold and gray felt like a little, a little bit of a sidestep. Okay. Now, granted, they also were dealing with adding a new member at the time. They'd lost Pete, their, their longtime guitar player and mm -hmm. co-vocalist. They added Gina on guitar and vocals. Gina's awesome. I love Gina. She's great. Nothing bad to say about Gina, but I think she may, maybe there was still like some room for her to grow because I, the songs I've heard from this new album, Stone, are so much better. They're good. so good. They're so, like, once again, I heard the new songs and I was like, I got that vibe, you know? Like, I got that 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 vibe. There's a certain vibe I get when I hear new Baroness stuff that I just get, like, goosebumps. And I'm like, oh, that's brilliant. Like, oh, I would, <laughs> man, I can't believe they went there and everything. And that's what I got when I heard this, especially the first, the first single last word was good. But when I heard Beneath the Rose and I was like, when you hear a song for the first time and you're, and as soon as it's done, you're like, I'm rewinding that and I have to, or back arrowing it or whatever you rewind, <laughs> I'm showing my age. Um, I'm going back and I'm playing that again immediately because not even just because I liked it, but because I'm like, are you dissecting I, it? I'm, I don't know what to make of it. Okay. And that's what I heard, thought when I heard Beneath the Rose. I'm like, whoa, like that sounds like Baroness, but it doesn't like it's different. And they were doing some different things. And I understand for some fans out there, they don't want that fans. I believe me. Trust me. I have to deal with it all the time. <laughs> People that are like, why don't you make the same album that you made 20 years ago, you know, cause that was my favorite. And I'm like, Hey, that's, I'm glad that was your favorite, but I, I can't make the same. Yeah. Album we got to grow. I got to move on. Yeah. And I like when bands do things that are weird. Now, sometimes it's a bad experience, you know, uh, when, Meta when Metallica did St. Anger and came up with that horrible drum sound and everything, <laughs> I give them props for trying to do something different, but it didn't work. It did not land, know? huh? But this, I was like, I had to listen to the song. I couldn't wait to tell other people. I was like, have you heard Beneath the Rose? Listen to it. Like, tell me what you think, because it's really different. And then with the next single, Shine, you know, same thing. I was like, oh, that's really good. So I am excited once again for Baroness, you know, which is cool because they're one of my favorite bands. And this new album comes out t this weekend. And uh, if you're into that kind of stuff, if you're into heavy music and you're into stuff that's maybe a little bit different, this isn't death metal. This isn't new metal. This isn't thrash. They're 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 their own thing. You know, it's like on one hand they can sound like Meshuggah and Mastodon, and then on the other hand they sound like Queen. You know what I mean? Or or or, or Radiohead or you know they're they're really eclectic. And they make it work with their own sounds. So, yeah, it, again, the album's called uh, Stone, 
and it just came out. So I would check it out. And of course, I mean, easy peasy, you, you can, you can listen to it for nothing on YouTube mm-hmm. or you can listen to it on Spotify, Spotify and and okay. all that. So check it out. If you like it, please buy it because all of us bands out there are hurting so bad we're hurting so bad man they, like things are worse than ever i won't bring everybody down right now but any little bit of support you can do you know even if you're like well i predominantly listen to my music for free it's like okay well but if you like something figure out a way to support it you know if you're able to and i know they're going on tour because i have tickets to go see them they're gonna do play, you? <laughs> yeah they're gonna play at the vic theater in november so i haven't seen them in a while you know well then hopefully you hear some of this new album oh i'm sure and i'm yeah i'm really looking forward to seeing how it's going to translate live nice. anyway that's my recommendation um and lastly before we go we always recommend checking out another channel whether it's a youtube channel an instagram channel uh you know something like TikTok, that anything. tiktok whatever we like to recommend checking out other creators because uh you know we enjoy a ton of other content out mm-hmm. there and we like to turn people on to these people's hard work so megan i think this month you've got something i did pick something um i found this just i think i was scrolling through tiktok actually he's the little shorts on there but he's actually on instagram as well and his name is dad advice from Bo. b-o yeah okay stinky (laughs) I'm just kidding. From Bo. From Bo. So his whole thing is he gives advice. Okay. So some people didn't grow up with a dad to be told things. Okay. He does everything from show you how to mow your lawn, how to change a car battery, how to build a shelf for $100. Yeah. and recently his his daughter got him these headphones. So he's like rediscovering music and his love for music. So he kind of talks about that sometimes. Cool. Um, so that's a fun new aspect of it. And the, basically the whole reason this started, because I guess he's a very private, keeps to himself kind of a guy. Okay. Okay. But his daughter begged him, please, can we do this? Make videos. And the reason recently came out i this is where i learned because i've heard from this guy before but i didn't know the backstory to it okay and i saw like a carly clarkson show snippet and that's where i learned okay is that his daughter when she she was always into sports and everything growing up and at 18 she got injured and she has a brain injury now that leaves her very debilitated oh wow. she's in a ton of pain she can't do anything like she used to do oh. and so she's really struggling dealing with life. Okay. And so she went to her dad and she's like, dad, can I, I'm really struggling. I don't even want to be here anymore. I want to end it all. Can we please make these videos just so I have something to look forward to. Right. To keep me going. So he, even though it was out of his comfort zone, he wants to stay private. He's like, all right, let's do it. And so she films him giving all this dad advice to people that <laughs> might need it. So it's, putting good out into the world yeah, to help helpful. everybody. And they're re- just really short videos. They're really awesome. He's great, got a great personality. But through this, because he's only got 283 posts on Instagram. Okay. okay? But he has 1.4 million followers. Wow. In a sh- very short amount of time. But his daughter's been able to find help and treatments that's starting to help her make progress. She's still got a long way to go. Wow. She's still in a ton of pain, still dealing with all this backlash from it. Yeah. 
but they can at least afford treatments for her now because she begged her dad to do this. That's cool. So this is a really awesome channel. It's, you know, helping spread awareness for traumatic brain injuries and all that. And it's great advice from a, a dad. He's got six kids of his own that he's helped raise. <laughs> wow. um, I think they live on a farm and... And it's, it's just, just it's really, comforting it's, for it's, people that need that that need that advice, like knowing that there's somebody that they can go to. Go like to that. and like Google is like, what does that advice have to say? How do right. I do this? Like, how do I do, tie a tie? I mean, there's harder stuff. There's middle stuff. There's easy stuff that you know people take for granted. You just know how to do, but. So a lot of people didn't have a dad to tell them to do that especially or no nowadays. longer have a dad to tell them say, how to do that. And so. especially nowadays, you know, it, it can be even harder. There's, you know, a lot of kids that, are, that a lot of young adults, a lot of people that just don't know things, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they, you know, they're raised in a time when parents are busier than ever. I mean, you know, everybody's got to work and it's tough and it's a quick, fast paced world and it can be hard to keep up with. So. Having something like this is nice. Yeah, and he signs off all his videos, love dad. It's really sweet. So Yeah, that's nice. (laughs) He's everybody's dad. So Yeah, I'm looking at how to swap a light fixture in one minute, Uh, how to negotiate for and buy a car, Mm -hmm. you know, how to change your car key battery, how to see better driving at night. Yeah, that's all cool. You know, yeah, and they're, then other they're stuff. all over the place. So. Yeah. And then other like sillier stuff like, you know, what song singer made you fall in love with music? Yeah, that's fun. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I really love this channel. I love everything it stands for. So yeah, so on Instagram.com, it's called Dad Advice from Bo, and it's all like one word. One word. Yeah, so really cool. Yeah, let us know. I'd love to know if any of you out there have ever uh, checked out this channel or any of his videos before. I've seen a couple of his things before shared and everything, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I've always seen positive things about it. So that's really cool. Yep, I love it. Check them out. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I think that's it for us this week. We would like to thank everybody for listening to us. You know, as we say, you know, any other time, we always tell you guys we love you and appreciate you for following, liking, sharing, subscribing, commenting, commenting, any of those things. They mean so much more to us than you could ever realize. If you sit there and go, well, it's not a big deal if I click like or it doesn't I don't have to subscribe. Uh, You know, I have a thought about it, but, um, you know, they don't need to hear what I think. I'm not going to bother commenting. It makes our day. I'm not even kidding. Please do it. It really does. Yeah. This is why we're doing it, you know, is because we enjoy the interaction with you guys as long as, you know, everybody's being cool about it and stuff. We just it's fun. This is a fun thing. So we want to keep having fun. Uh, so with that, we will be back in two weeks. The yep. Squadcast comes out every two weeks. It usually will on, return. On the weekend, we put this out every every two weeks on the weekend. So we'll be back with more geeky pop culture news to talk about. And uh, hopefully we'll see you there. And with that fancy dancing music, I think we're going to dance our butts right on out of this studio. Sure are. And uh, I'm tired. I need to get some sleep. Uh, Yo, you got to go work on guitars. Oh, gosh. Yes, I do. (laughs) Guitars and sleep. I'm going to sleep. All right. All right, everybody. That's it for us. We'll see you soon. Bye, guys.